today. Uh, a guest that I chatted with on Friday had I, I apologized to this guest. I had no idea this place existed. Now I do, and uh, a lot of emails got fired off so that I can put Lisa in a good place with some places that can help out. Um, her and her team at Leading Families Home. And she does have a pretty neat event coming up this Thursday night at the premiere of their big fundraiser of the year with lots of white clothing. Lisa Banks, Executive Director of Leading Families Home. In just a second, I saw a story over the weekend uh, about a woman who lives somewhere off of Door had her uh, had a box stolen from her. It was her, her prescription medications. And the... The thief was caught on camera, but because it was under a certain dollar amount, it was just a petty theft and the police couldn't do anything about it. Um, I, I, You could say that this is a case of, of victim blaming here, but I can counter that with something in just a moment. Um, I guess one of the, cynically speaking, t- totally tongue in cheek, one of the reasons I keep my job is so that I have a place to get my boxes delivered and I get lots of packages delivered here at work. Um, I do a lot of online shopping for a variety of things. Um, if you're not home, God, I, I can't strongly suggest enough to not have your packages delivered to where they are sitting there for uh, an extended period of time. I don't care what neighborhood you live in. I would never have stuff just sitting outside my place. I think the only thing, I had, I had one box one time, and I was surprised it came to my home, but I had the wrong address on where I ordered from. Another time, it was a rug. If you want to haul a big rug away, have at it. But, but, but at least you know what that is. There are options to make sure you don't have stuff um, sitting outside your home. One, Send it to your work. Two, have it send it to a neighbor's. Three, uh, there are boxes that you can buy and or rent from what FedEx or the post office and get things shipped there. Um, and there, there's probably another half dozen things that I'm unfamiliar with that can prevent um, porch pirates from having an easy snatch to some box or package sitting outside your home. Eric, why should I have to do this? Why, it, it, this is like victim blaming. Oh, yeah? Well, why do you lock your car doors? Why do you lock your front door? Um, we, we do it as a, as a precaution. Um, it's very unlikely someone walks into your home. Very unlikely somebody goes into your car. It's possible. It's very plausible. Uh, but we lock it as a precaution. Um, as a precaution to make sure people don't steal things sitting on our front porch Make sure they're not sitting on your front porch. So there's that. Also, uh, on 13abc.com, two interesting stories in regards to last week's devastating weather. One, uh, an I-team investigation headed up by Sean Hegarty explaining how and why there was some type of delay or the, the tornado sirens and alarms went off after uh, the devastation had already happened. And there's another story um, the longest piece I've ever seen from Ross Ellett, who probably, I don't know if Ross has had to write a, a thousand word piece in his time at 13. Maybe he has, but he wrote an extremely scientific, detailed, a bit technical, comprehensive explanation and timeline of why the sirens wound up going off when they did and how, like I said, 
uh, on Friday, like this came out of nowhere. Uh, Ross puts that in a much more scientifically accurate sense, but it did come out of nowhere and it was almost completely unpredictable because as I recalled Friday, I don't remember anything about a tornado warning or watch severe weather. Yes, but nothing with the T word. Russ explains, uh, Ross, 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 Ross explains how and why that all came to be. Let's get to Lisa Banks. So happy to have finally uh, had a conversation with her. Maybe you can make it out to her event on Thursday night, if not other ways to get involved with Leading Families Home. Hi, Lisa Banks, and welcome. Hi, Eric. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we're, off and, we're off and rolling, so now the nerves have to go away. Okay. Okay. No nerves, right? No Deep nerves. Breath. Um, it's nice to catch up with you. I, I will apologize um, because I am unfamiliar with leading families home, but that makes for a good interview because I can ask lots of questions. Um, you're, you're the executive director. I'm glad, uh, BJ was able to set us up together. Um, trying to battle homelessness for the last hundred years. Uh, we have not made the inroads that we've wanted, especially over the last three to five years. COVID made things, a lot of things, a lot worse. Homelessness is a big problem all across the nation now in a lot of cities. And we're certainly one of those. Um, how does leading families home come into this? So, as you mentioned, you know, we have been around since 1921. Not you, just not me, the organization. Not me, the organization, yeah. yes. Uh, many people are familiar with Beach House Family Shelter, our location on Erie Street. And that's kind of our flagship location. And that, you know, that's where we, you know, serve families, uh, whatever that family unit looks like, and single women. And with that, you know, we are not just providing um, meals and you know a place to do laundry and a place to sleep but we're also providing case management services um if there's any legal type of issues you know working you know to get things resolved um fine outstanding fines you know getting driver's licenses um birth certificates you know all those necessary things needed to you know to get the paperwork those documents to be able to get you into housing and so then in addition to that you know, we have two housing programs. So once we've, you know, got everything that you need, we work with over 60 landlords in the area. Um, Cause like right now we have over 130 families in um, scattered site housing. Then we, you know, work with one of them to get them to get these families into permanent housing, you know, do, so. Do, I'm, I'm, I apologize for not knowing you. And I'm also quite stunned that our paths haven't crossed before. Um, when you talk about getting these families, places, and landlords, do you work at all with neighborhood properties? Yes. NPI? Yes, okay. we do. Actually, Good our friends per- over there. Yes. Yes. So actually, our permanent supportive housing, um, that's where we place a lot of those individuals that are in that particular program. Good. Yes. Good. Um, how, how can people come to you? Why do they come to you as opposed to maybe uh, Cherry Street or Lewis County Homelessness Board or some other place? I know th- this is great that we have all these hands trying to make for a, a lighter lift. So how do people wind up with you as opposed to some of the other places? Okay. So the Homelessness Board, just so you know, they are kind of, I guess you could say we're underneath their umbrella. So we're all part of the continuum, you know, of care here, the COC here in Lucas County. So we do work with them on certain, you know, certain things. 
and Cherry Street's actually a partner. So, you know, even though we all do different things. Um, but people come to us because we serve families. And that's what makes us a lot different because, you know, with a lot of the other shelters in town, actually we're only one of three, well, soon to be four with our new facility that even serve families. And we're only um, one of two that actually allow males. So if a, if a male is part of that family unit, you know, whether it be sons or, you know, um, the father or fathers, whatever that looks like, we allow them. Some of the other um, shelters will allow the mom and the daughters, but mm-hmm. they make the males go elsewhere. You know, so that's one thing that makes us different is we keep the family together. So that's why a lot of people come to us because that's what we're all about. Uh, you have multiple locations. You talked about the one on Ashland. Tell me about the the, loca- the other locations and, and how they might differ from one another. Okay, so Erie's the one that's been there. Ashland is our new one that's getting ready to open at the end of this month. Congratulations. Thank you. So excited um, to open it. The, the biggest difference between these two um, is pretty much the size. So our Ashland location is going to allow us to serve up to 75 um, more individuals, obviously, you know, depending on family size. And, you know, there will be um, larger laundry rooms there. We're going to have a, you know, a computer room, a commercial kitchen. So it's basically going to, you know, kind of be like Erie Street on steroids. So, you know, there's going to be just a lot of um, uh, more services allowed to happen right there as far as even with groups, our behavior health piece and all of that's going to be underneath that one roof. Uh, can people just show up, knock on the door and say, I'm looking for help or is there some type of referral service? Yes. Yeah, so we are part of coordinated entry. So dialing 211, okay. you know, gets United you, Way, United Way. Yes. Gets, you know, gets uh, gets them to our door. And, you know, obviously, you know, I'm very biased, um, but, you know, we have a lot of great, you know, um, places in town. However, you know, we do get people who, you know, will reach out to United Way and they may ask if they have a preference, you know, of shelters. And so, you know, hey, if they want to come to us, you know, they'll try to make that fit. And if it's a good fit, you know, people definitely have the right to say, I'd rather go there. Sure. Um, and I, I know there are often a lot of barriers. Many people have pets that they can't bring them mm-hmm. in with them at certain places. You talked about how you're one of the few places that allow allow men. Um, I think of that as a barrier for moving. These, this family forward in a lot of ways, but then you look at it the other way, some bad things could happen and there's a lot of challenges as is to get people back up on their feet. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's dispel some stereotypes or stigma because I'm sure there is, and especially the way things have changed and how one bad thing has turned people's lives around mm-hmm. that they never expected. What does a person who come who comes to you look like? And it's probably not just one answer. Mm-hmm. You are absolutely right, Eric. Um, We have people who have come from six-figure salaries who had, um, you know, they got sick and all of a sudden it wiped them out. You know, we have other people who had fires or were victims of other natural disasters. Um, We have other people who lost a job and they tried their best and they just couldn't keep up with their bills. And so, you know, and then you do have others who may have been suffering, you know, from domestic violence or, you know, an addiction issue. So it's all across the board. You know, homelessness doesn't have a race. You know, it doesn't have a sex. It happens to um, everyone. If you really think about it, most of us 
are closer to homelessness than to being millionaires. Sure so thing, yeah. One yeah. thing can mess us up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've all gotten a little, uh, I guess, frightened when we get a, a medical bill or something, whether it was unexpected or uh, an improper code and you, you freak out. But you, that's a great way to put it. I'm going to put that in my arsenal of what I was just going to throw at you. Nobody has to be an addict. Mm-hmm. And I know, uh, as I've learned over the years, um, we try to use person first. Yes. Um, that is a person who is suffering from homelessness. That person has an addiction as opposed to an addict. So I slip here and there. I People know my intentions, but nobody has to be poor. Nobody mm-hmm. has to be homeless. Nobody has to be an addict. That's right. I mean, if we could all snap our fingers, people would get out of that. There are times people would push back on something like that. They'd say, look, this person has a lot of options. Your place included in many others. They don't have to be um, unhoused. What's your pushback against that? It's, I mean, it's for some people, it's their way of life and... It's not an addiction, but it's all they're used to. Why is it so hard to get people off the streets when there are great resources like yourself? One of the things, you know, that I'd have to say, because you do see people, um, even in spite of some of the great, you know, I should say a lot of the great resources that we have, even in our own um, community. But a lot of times what has happened is, you know, there is some other mental health challenges going sometimes. And because of that, a lot of times people aren't quite, you know, thinking as clearly as they, you know, as they could be. But then at the same time, there's other people that they're choosing. This is how they want to live. And yeah. so who are we to say that, sure. you know, you have to have a house, you know, if they want to live in a tent or whatever, and this makes them happy, then why do we, you know, say you have to be in a house with four walls? I guess uh, my response to that would be is, well, then please don't be on street corners asking for money. And that's a whole nother thing yes. where that person could be suffering from an addiction. It's funny. Um, I guess this person is quite well known. Do you know the South Toledo area? A little bit. There is a gentleman who doesn't look like he's in bad shape and has a beautiful looking dog and is always over at, I always see him at the Ollie's. He's at the corner of uh, Reynolds and, and Heather Downs quite frequently. And again he might choose to live like that mm-hmm. um but then again i'd say well i mean you're asking for money this, the, the, the idea is this is a very complicated situation to the point of again nobody asks to have these problems mm-hmm. um give me your your general thoughts on on homelessness as it is where we are how we've attacked it um locally regionally nationally as it's become such an issue that's caused so many of the other problems in our society over the last handful of years mm-hmm. Wow, that is a very loaded question. <laughs> yeah. But um, I would say our community, you know, with being part of, you know, the homelessness board, you know, as being part of the continuum, I definitely see in Lucas County how we are trying to come together to, you know, to fix things in our community. And, you know, I'm really excited about some of the different initiatives that are coming up that in- includes, you know, shelters, you know, family shelters like us, but then there's Cherry Street, there's NPI, as you mentioned earlier, but then there's also LMH and other organizations where we're coming together, you know, we're not going to be doing trying to 
fix this in a silo because it's not a silo issue. It affects everybody. And not to mention even just some, you know, regular people on the street, you know, that want to see change. And so I'm excited about that. You know, all of us coming together and coming up with some solutions because there's no one group, no one entity that can do it alone. And I think, you know, even as you look at, you know, nationally and things like that, you know, and, um, you know, HUD has some great programs out there. Um, and they're really, you know, looking at housing first and trying to remove barriers. And so there's a lot of different things being done. I think that we just all need to get on the same page to get it done. Yeah, it's really hard, especially as many of us have forget about the same page. We've been on like different books recently. Yes. <laughs> but the one thing that I have I've learned amid so much of the last handful of years is um dating back to the last calamity that hit this country and the world, the the economic shutdown, we stopped building homes. Like one of the reasons that so many people are dealing with homelessness is not necessarily even a mental health issue, an addiction issue or whatever, a medical bill they couldn't pay. There's just not enough places for people to live. Mm-hmm. Like it's a numbers issue. Yes. Um, tell me more. Tell me some good things. Give me a, a positive story because I saw there are some success stories on the website. Yes. A lot of times people focus on the negative, but we have several. Um, I have, you know, several positives. You know, we had and even when we were talking about, you know, different, um, you know, different people that have come to us, you know, what does homelessness look like? And, you know, thinking back, you know, one story that always comes to mind, you know, because it's it's not one that people expect to hear, you know, was um, a woman who served in the, you know, in the um, in the armed forces for several years, you know, very highly decorated, you know, and then went out and had a six figure salary doing very well, you know, her and her husband and things like that. Well, then she got sick. And it pretty much, you know, so she had to, you know, quit her corporate job and then it wiped out their, you know, their savings and they found themselves calling 211, you know, and but I will say, you know, and you mentioned pets earlier, you know, we took them in with their support animal, you know, just everything, again, keeping the family together, that was part of their family, right? kept them together they were with us and now you know yes you know she's still dealing with these you know these health issues but at least now they are back in housing you know back you know starting over again and you know trying to rebuild you know rebuild their lives and so we see that you know time and time again and it's it's so it's so rewarding um she had a health issue. And I want to come back to behavioral health because that's a, a passion of mine. And I'm going to go in another direction, in, 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 in addition, an additional direction with that. What kind of health care do you offer, if any, or if someone comes in sick or they develop something, I, I break an arm. How mm-hmm. do you help people out medically? So we do not have doctors. I mean, we have clinicians on staff, but we do not have, you know, medical doctors. So, of course, you know, we're going to, you know, get them into one of our, you know, awesome, you know, things here in town. We do send folks, you know, to the Neighborhood Health Association, you know, or Mildred Bear, some of those community resources. But then, you know, from where we're at, where, you know, there's also Toledo Hospital, um, St. V's and others. So we're going to get them linked up, you know, with with those uh, resources. Do you know about UT's Community Cares Clinic? 
Actually, I just in the South End. I just they're um, over at the at the church and they okay. they go around. Yeah, this I is just heard about that. They they are an incredible community place. It's run by the students. I always forget the doctor's name. Uh, a true philanthropist who just keeps putting money into it. And and there is an, an MD or a, a DO that oversees the student decisions, but they help with everything from. Uh, uh, prenatal care, uh, STD issues. They will help you out. Get they will help you get glasses. They'll fill oh, prescriptions. Wow. It is quite miraculous, and I wish more people know about it. But this is what I try to do. I try to bring all these people together, add people into my reservoir, and yes. then and connect them together. Because again, that place is completely free. Walk in there with anything, and bing bang boom, they'll get you back on your feet. Because if you're not healthy, if you don't have a home, it's going to be hard to do anything anyway. Absolutely. Would love more information so we can definitely connect our folks to that. Um, we talked about behavioral health. That is something that more people are aware of and tending to over the last handful of years. How do you approach that and tell me what the intersection of that and being homeless often is? Okay. So we do have um, a behavioral health component, you know, so we have social workers, you know, therapists, case managers, all there. And when you think about, you know, the intersection, a lot of different things as we talked about, happen that, you know, will lead someone to our doors. But no matter if it was a fire, if it was a domestic violence, no matter what that situation is, it's caused some, some type of trauma has brought them to our door. You know, whether it's current or past, something eventually has brought them there. So, you know, one thing that, you know, that I pride my team on, you know, is that we're great at going slow with people because, you know, the minute somebody shows up, we're not, you know, going to expect them to kind of start unpacking all of this. But, you know, we do want them to know that when they're ready, it's a safe space to do that. And we have, you know, the qualified, you know, professionals to be able to do that with them. But they're also, you know, that there is um, a direct connection typically to that one yeah. way or another. And it, it we talk about uh, uh, holistic ways of healing people, uh, the other, the continuum of care, mm-hmm. um, getting people healthy again. Well, it, it, it can go in a really bad circle. The other side of that is... Uh, homelessness can be caused by a mental health issue. Homelessness for a long period of time or whatever can cause a mental health issue. And then Mm -hmm. it's just this terrible whirlwind that we can't get out of. Um, You, uh, people that can't see, you're a black woman. Yeah. I know you know that. Um, (laughs) I was so delighted a couple of weeks ago uh, for the NAMI walk more more than ever. Uh, It was 50-50, white to black, generally Mm -hmm. speaking. And it helped my heart. Do you know Sonia Quinn at NAMI? Um, I do not. I will introduce you. Okay. Sonia has done a, such a great job uh, being out in the community, um, getting the black community to know, hey, look, you know, you can talk about this now because I've been doing mental health advocacy for, for years and black community, minority communities uh, often struggle to to embrace mental health things. Uh, you know, we don't talk about that. We pray it away, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Can I have your perspective as a black woman when it comes to mental health? Yes, and you are absolutely right. Um, within the black community, it is something um, that a lot of times has been looked upon negatively because a lot of times the minute you say mental health, you know, like, I'm not crazy. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, you know, that's a lot of it. Or people feel, you know, like admitting that you need to talk to someone or admitting, you know, that there's a problem means that you're less of a person. And especially if you're a black man is saying, well, no, I'm not weak, you know, and things like that. But, you know, there is a lot, well, you know, 
I'll pray it away or whatever. And hey, you know what? Guess what? Yeah, Jesus is there, but at the same time, you need <laughs> you to use common sense too. Yeah, <laughs> you know. It, but um, but yeah, you know, within the black community, it has been it has been a struggle. And I am an advocate for um, you know, for mental health, for mental wellness, and I'm always you know trying to you know um, tear down some of those old those old ways of thinking. And I think you know. If you look at it, it's not even just mental health, but a lot of it is even medical care. Sure. And some of it stems back to when, you know, they were using black people, mm. you know, as the Tuskegee um, as, Airmen. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, using them as, you know, those um those uh test subjects. Guinea pigs. Guinea pigs, that's the word I was looking for. And so that's where a lot of that yeah. stems from is them being scared and trusting. I know there was a great disparity during COVID and other things. Uh, minorities, specifically blacks, were more affected, whether because of what you said, they wouldn't tend to their health care because mm-hmm. of the cynicism. I know when I'm out in the community, I get to the opportunity to go to a lot of places, I still see of the people that I see still wearing masks is predominantly black people. Mm-hmm. And I always remind myself, yeah, they have a real good reason to be skeptical of, of things. Um, have you, do you think we've made a little bit of progress when it comes to the black community tending to their mental health? Yes, I, I do believe. And I think it's mainly been because there are so many more people of color, you know, especially black and brown people who are becoming clinicians and are getting in the medical field. So now, you know, they're like, so I think that's helping to bring in a little bit of trust when you see someone that looks like you, yeah. you know, doing it. Because even like, you know, you talked about COVID, you know, one of the things that we were asked to do, even, you know, um, can you because there was a real here in Lucas County, there was a real um, shortage of, you know, black folks getting the um, the vaccines. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of us, you know, we got the vaccines and then we let people know, like, we're OK, you yeah. know. And, you know, we were a couple of us were kind of like spokespeople, especially within the shelter area, saying, hey, I understand your concern. You know, no, they're not using you as a guinea pig. You know, look, we're all getting the same shot. We're all okay. And things like that. So thanks for doing that. Last couple of questions. What's the Providence Project? So the Providence Project is in South Toledo. And at Providence, so in 2021, we absorbed all the programming, everything that goes there. But have you ever watched or been to court when the, you know, the judge says, hey, if you, you know, go complete 26 weeks of anger management, you'll just get court costs. Okay. Okay. That's the kind of stuff that we do there. A lot of diversionary type groups. So we have anger management, domestic violence. Um, we have a class for women who use violence. Everything is kind of separate between, you know, between uh, male and female. And so we help work through, you know, all of those issues, report back to the courts if they were, you know, sent there, as well as, um, you know, we work with children's services, too. So they may also put someone there and we do parenting classes and things of that nature. So that's what goes on at Providence. Yeah. Uh, like head to toe, arm to arm, inside out. You do it all. Thanks so much for yes. doing all that. Thank uh, you. Leading Families Home. Uh, the website? Um, LFHToledo.org. Um, I think I have a lot of people to introduce you to, which I'm happy to do. And then my last yeah. question. So this will be on the on the, on the the radio side of things after the event, but this will be on the podcast before. Uh, you're going to send somebody to Paris? 
I wish because I'd be on that plane. <laughs> but we have our, on the 22nd, we do have our summer in Paris. It's kind of like our signature fundraising uh, fundraiser event every, you know, in June. And everybody wears white and the theme is, you know, a summer in Paris. So, yeah. Is it is it a trip? Does somebody win like a trip there or is it just the theme of the party? It's the theme of the got party. It. Okay. But, got it, got it. but somewhat, um, one of our... Um, uh, auction items is uh, is a trip in Brussels. We have Brussels, then we have some other ones to Florida. So yeah, we've I got some great things. Love it. Uh, uh, give me some info on that. It's twenty second at Premier, correct? Yes, yeah, six to nine, and you can get tickets on our website lfhtoledo.org. For everybody that uh, that's too last minute for, uh, or they're hearing this on the radio, what other uh, fundraising opportunities um, are out there? Volunteer opportunities that they might want to get involved with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, if you can't make it to our event, but you want to get involved, you know, we're always looking for different volunteers, you know, whether it be um, at either one of the shelters or anything that we're doing. Um, Groups come in a lot of times and help volunteer, you know, painting something, fixing something. We always, you know, have a need for that. Um, We also have on the 29th, our grand opening of Ashland. It's going to be from four to seven at our 2283 Ashland. And that's open to, you know, everybody. So, you know, free of charge unless you want to donate. You know, you are, you know, welcome to come out um, to that event as well. But then you can donate anytime on our website. Oh, and we do have our adopter room happening right now. So if any, you know, if anyone's interested or a group or a business um, in adopting one of our rooms at our Ashland location, you know, we're going to have um, naming conventions with all of that. You know, there's different prices for different rooms. We have that going on as well. 